Welcome back to another episode of True Dadhood. John is back from his grand adventures in New Orleans last week. Say hello, John. Thank you. That's enough. You had a nice vacation. <laughs> That's right. John is back. He's back in one piece. He didn't bring voodoo dolls, at least none that he's shown Steve and I. So we're still in good health and willing to sit down and have another good conversation about dadhood and the moments that have gone on this past week. That being said, true dadhood moments. John, you have been gone, so why don't you start us off, make sure everyone knows at home that you're doing well and that your dadhood moments have continued in your absence. Had plenty of dadhood moments while I was gone in New Orleans last week for a conference, so yes, I'm back. Got back, and I guess my dadhood moment was my wife and I got to go see the teacher. Um... Monday got uh, morning. to go see the teacher, or was that a requested? We, it, it was. Yeah. A, it was were, a request. Were you given an to option? Go see the teacher. <laughs> was and in say, school a month, we're talking to the teacher. So I um, guess we're headed to the principal's office here in a couple of weeks. So. <laughs> that's like getting one of those dreaded "we need to talk" texts. <laughs> that's right. So, but you know, it was kind of stuff that we know the teacher was telling us things that Miles has been doing and. She's like, I need you to help me with that. And my thought in my head when she was telling me, I was like, I need your help with those things at home, too. He does the same things at home. So, Anything you can share? Or is this too much that, you know? <laughs> oh, no, I don't know. I'll, I'll protect him for, for now. <laughs> oh, so. wow. Names have been changed to protect the No, guilty. but one good thing did come out of it. The teacher didn't just totally complain about Miles. She, one thing I was impressed with, she said that one thing she really likes about him other than, like, he's very, very smart if he would have just get around to, you know, doing what she asked him to do when she asked him to do it. Um, but she she had talked about there's another child in the class that is autistic and nonverbal and really does not let any other child in the class up in her space very much. And so Miles is very cognizant of that, but he's always trying to engage and talk to the girl and... um you know, visits with her and she's kind of gotten used to him and she's the only child that she will let get near her in the well, class. That's, cool. that's so, pretty big. I yeah. Mean, so and he's always trying to talk to her and all that. And so and I thought that was kind of cool. She's, she really likes that, that, that he does that. So, well, props to Miles. Yeah. So. See, if you'd have led with that. Well, Steve, okay, true dadhood moment of the week for you, Steve. Uh, yeah, this actually happened right after we recorded last week. Uh, you and I were at Trivia, and I get a text message here. I will I will actually read this exchange if I can get it pulled up here. Um, we, we're sitting there playing Trivia. I randomly get a text message, and it was a picture of poop. <laughs> And I, I think deer poop would probably be the closest explanation to this. Sorry, Pellets. this is a little graphic, yeah, okay. but uh, apparently I'm just like, what the heck? Like, what what is going on here? And Finley tells his mother, Mom, my poop turned into grapes because Dad made me drink that nasty grape soda. <laughs> so I have been... Uh, blamed for finley's weird shaped poop 
so because I had him drink grape, grape soda. So- what kind of grape it, soda? It, it, Welch's grape <laughs> soda? Like, I mean, it might have been the Great Value brand. I can't remember, but it was just grape soda. These are details that no, the public crazy. needs to know, I, Steve. Yeah, nothing, nothing crazy. What grape soda turns so, your poo to pellets? Uh, apparently, uh, you know, you got me. He wanted to put it on Hashtag Facebook. Purple poop. Yeah, he, <laughs> <laughs> he he wanted to put it on Facebook, but was talked down to sending me a picture. So yes, nothing, nothing like enjoying a nice cold adult beverage while playing trivia and getting a picture of literal crap on your phone. Artificial (laughs) sugar. Yes, exactly. Exactly. Well, give us free soda, Welch's. Yeah. uh, I'm sure they're totally going to do it after that wonderful intro we just gave them. One day someone is going to send us free stuff. I mean, you not with the endorsement of it's going to change your poo shape. I'm still waiting to get my Five Nights at Freddy's gear. It's going to happen. Yeah, they're going to send John a care package, and it's going to come in the middle of the night in the form of a Freddy Fosbear that's life size. He's going to get a flaming dog of poo, or flaming bag of dog poo on his front porch. Flaming dog of poo would be more. Yeah, that'd be, that'd be, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, okay, my true dadhood moment of the week actually happened this morning. I'll, I'll go with a more sentimental one. Uh, my wife is actually getting ready to go back to work after her maternity leave. Her maternity leave is up on Monday of next week, so she goes back to work. So we're trying to enjoy the last few days of freedom that she has left. And when uh, this week hit, she actually said she wanted me to, you know, make sure she was getting up with me early in the mornings. We're having to get up at about... 5 o'clock, 5.15 in the morning to make sure that she can feed Dean. We pump uh, enough breast milk for him, preparing for daycare and all that. So this morning, my true dadhood moment happened when I woke up with my alarm at 5 o'clock. And I reach over to turn my alarm off. And my older son, Oliver, is wedged right up next to me on the very side of the bed. Mm -hmm. This is odd because Oliver never gets in bed next to me, let alone... Usually, he's the one forcing me to be on the last six inches on the side of the bed. He's establishing dominance, yeah. Right. Well, he was actually the one on the last six inches of the bed this morning. I turned my alarm off, get ready for work, make a couple cups of coffee, and go wake up my wife. And I asked Nicole, you know, how were you awake when this happened? And she said, yeah, actually, I was. Oliver woke up when I was feeding Dean, and normally he wants to come try and snuggle with me before he goes back to sleep. And he made some comment under his breath about Dean took my spot (laughs) and proceeded to get up out of bed, waddle over to your side and just steal all the covers and hop in next to you. And I feel like it was a form of punishment (laughs) for taking care of his younger brother. So apparently the cuddles I got this morning were cuddles out of spite for my wife, not actually out of love for me. But there's my true dadhood moment for this week is... My son giving spite cuddles to me just to... Uh, you, you were the rebound cuddle? I was the rebound cuddle. That's right. You know, toddlers don't know anything about, like, giving the middle finger, but I feel like that's that's a toddler middle finger that right there. That was the equivalent. Oh, absolutely. For sure. Absolutely. For sure. Well, that being said, gentlemen, here's to a, another week of fun true dadhood moments to conferences with teachers that didn't go as poorly as we might have thought to learning that... Grape soda, whether Welch's or otherwise, can actually change the consistency of poo, at least in the mind of a six-year-old, and to spite cuddling. That's right. That's right. (laughs) Clink, clink, because we don't got bottles. That's right. We don't have bottles. We have a new beer that came in a can this week, but it's a good October. Yeah, shout out to Lost 40. Give us free stuff. The Hunter. (laughs) I like it. I'll be hunting for more of this later. Huh? Yeah, I, I see yeah? what you did there. Yeah? I see what you did there. Son of a birch. Pound, All right. Pound sign lame. Pound sign lame. <laughs> 
The topic that we're going to touch on this week, we're actually going a bit more topical in that we are trying to focus on some of the stuff that's been happening here recently. Now, obviously, there's one grand example that we'll get to that happened literally just in the last week. But what we're really talking about is the Me Too movement and all of the stuff that's happening there, and specifically how that ties into the phrase, boys will be boys. All three of us here at this table have boys. So something that I have been mulling over and thinking about when I look at all of the uh, conflicts, all of the uh, instances that have happened here the last couple of years with the Me Too movement, uh, and then think back on some of the things that happened growing up. Um, for me, that would include like Bill Clinton in the Oval Office with all that stuff going on. That would include some of the uh, instances of domestic violence, obviously, coming out of the NFL and things like that. Uh, a lot of the things I remember growing up hearing as an excuse was the boys will be boys uh, mantra. There was a whole Simpsons episode about that. That's right. Like, with, with that, not obviously in the sexual context, but the, but just the, the that, that's boys will be boys. Yeah, right. exactly. I, I remember that episode. And, and, yeah, and when the judge got replaced by the mom from out right. in the middle. That's I think right. There's been a Simpsons episode on every topic known to man. Well, when, it's been along almost as much as I've been alive. Well, so in looking at the boys will be boys mantra, of course, all of this culminates in this week we have the Brett Kavanaugh thing going on. Uh, the confirmation process for Brett Kavanaugh is happening. And the accusation just came out uh, five days ago, uh, at least came out from the public from his accuser, that he engaged in allegedly nefarious activities and an attempted rape when he was 17, mm -hmm. 36 years ago. Yes. So my question, the overarching question, we'll break this down a little bit more, obviously, but my overarching question to you other two dads with boys is, how do we keep our sons from becoming the future Brett Kavanaugh's 50 years from now and make sure that they know there are boundaries, there's respect that needs to be had? How do you engage your children at every level to make sure that they don't wind up in situations like that? It seems like a simple question. I know there's people probably rolling their eyes like, well, you just teach respect and you teach these boundaries. I know all that. I would like to dive into how but, we break it down. But here, here's my problem with that excuse, or, or not that excuse, but that line of thought of, oh, well, you just teach them respect. Well, that's basically you're going into the logic that every single person who has had a Me Too moment or every single person that you're seeing, Kavanaugh, Harvey Weinstein, you know, Mark Cuban now with the Dallas, Ma or Dallas Mavericks um, organization came out today. He's donating $10 million to charity, which to him, that's nothing. But, you know, that's a significant amount of money to, to, to women's issues. You're basically saying that their parents raised them not to respect women. Like, I, I don't see that as a as a logical solution because again you are you're saying you're assuming that every single person that this has happened to that has done these things or has been accused of these things was it right was i get, I get your line way. of thought and you of know? course there so, are going to so be so it's more than that it's not as simple as what i'm getting at. yeah and there are going to be outliers of course i mean i'm sure there's instances oh, obviously yeah. where you're going to have siblings that are or dramatically different from each other and one sibling would be you know <laughs> the yeah. brett kavanaugh of the world or that again it's alleged so i guess we shouldn't do that say that but but you're gonna have but, but those again, even the, even a credible accusation is what this is yeah i mean that that's really what it comes down to i mean whether or not you know again it, it is still alleged but it is a credible accusation right so i guess here's where we can start we we, we know the basics all of us have young kids but I guess once you reach the teenage level, 
and you start, especially Steve, you've got daughters, so I'm sure you've got uh, another perspective on this too when you're teaching your daughters, of course, uh, ways that they can try to avoid being put in situations or ways that they can try and come out and fight situations like the things that have happened with Brett Kavanaugh's accuser. But how do you approach this situation with boys growing up? Uh, and I guess the way I would start that by saying is, first off, uh, being present in their lives in such a way that you can demonstrate to your kids how you should affect yourselves onto the women around you. Yes. Right? I think that's, number one, one of the greatest ways you can do this. And I think that's where, part to, to go off of what you were just saying there, did parents teach children way back when that it was okay to, in our view, disrespect women in that way? No, they probably didn't. But generationally speaking, it was also probably not something that was brought up nearly as prominently no, as, as we're talking about it now, right? No, not at all. So you and I are talking a lot about this. John's being eerily quiet. What's the matter? Nothing. <laughs> I'm just listening because I'm just watching this intelligent conversation go on. Well, I think I think it is a generational difference, yeah. though. I mean, like, you know, John being generation Generation X had a little bit different upbringing than you and I, you know, it, you know, I'm, I'm barely a millennial, but I still technically classify as that. And, and you know, you being younger, the youngest one here, you know, it, it is interesting. You know, I, I can't recall a single conversation that I had with my dad about, you don't do this with women. You don't, you know, like you, you, you know, you just don't like, I, I don't recall a, a single instance of that. I think it was more the example that he set and how he treated my mother and how he treated, you know, the, the women in his life, his mother, his sisters. It was always with respect. Oh yeah. And it was, you know, it was never anything about that. Well, I, th I think back with my father too, I had the same kind of situation with my dad where there wasn't necessarily one thing, but with my dad, he coached women's softball when I was younger and had an utmost, the utmost respect for these women that were on his teams. And a lot of those women were fantastic women in the organization that he was coaching. And I remember going over to their houses to do barbecues and, and team events and things like that growing up. And my dad held them in very high esteem because of yeah. how, not just how well they played on his teams, but also the stuff that they were doing in the community. That was the stuff that rubbed off on me so that when I got to high school, now granted, I was not what we would call uh, very good in the wooing department. You weren't, you, you weren't the ladies' man? I was nowhere close to Casanova. Like <laughs> You were like me. There's not going to be any Me Too movements. My upbringing was not you. <laughs> <laughs> and you listened, right? That's right. That's, that's the, the important key. part. That's yes. the key. That, I've been blown out of the saddle more times than John Wayne. <laughs> <laughs> I don't understand that reference. What do you... <laughs> who's, who's John Wayne? No, I'm kidding. Totally kidding. The dude... We, and I think that's key. I think uh, the biggest thing is is teaching our kids, number one, that communication is key, and then that you need to take that communication seriously, right? Right. And I think that goes to another level, too. So often, I can remember, and I, I'm just as much a, a guilty of this as anything else. I can remember in high school, you would get with a whole group of guys, and the conversation invariably would turn to... You know the stuff that guys, teenage boys, wind up talking about, and it's if it, funny that you act like it's only teenage boys that talk about that. Like, <laughs> yeah, okay, good point, touche. But the uh, it was probably more prominent, I would say, in some of the guys that I knew about oh, in yeah. high school. Back then, you don't really think about defending the lady's honor and whatnot unless you're dating said lady, 
You know what I mean? Like right. I can remember growing up. Now, granted, I grew up in a what was at the time relatively smaller town in Oklahoma. Uh, very much so a part of that abstinence-only education generation that, you know, any kind of activity outside of hand-holding and kissing was just about as nefarious and against what Jesus would want as possible. So, of course, that led the conversation when we would talk about the girls in our class, and any rumor would just spread like wildfire. Oh, yeah. And... I didn't know how to react to that. You if grew I'm up being in a honest. small town in Oklahoma. I went to a Christian high school on a missionary field. But yeah, I mean that type of education was there, and I think that's a, a lot of what it comes down to is education on that. And, and it's not just education in terms of you know sexual awareness or you know things like that. But I think it's also a lot of um, how how do I put this? It's a lot of treating not just women with respect, but treating everyone with respect. You know, treat people like you want to be treated. I mean, I have had this conversation so many times with my 13-year-old. He'll be 14 next week. But it's just, he will treat someone one way, and then if you do the exact same thing to him, he gets upset. And it's like, no, you don't get to do that. You don't get to be upset by someone saying something to you, and then you go and do the exact same thing to someone else. That's not how that works. And, and I've had that conversation with him and continue to have that conversation with him because he's 13 and obviously smarter than me. I mean, come on, he's 13. How could he not be? <laughs> well, and that's, that's reciprocal, too. So, of course, you know, how do you keep your kid from saying, well, you just did it back to me? I mean, how, how do you keep them from thinking, well, you did just do it back to me. I mean, it, this kind of goes back to what you hear in politics where it's it's uh, people accuse each other, one side's playing dirty, the other side's not. Right. Well, if both sides play dirty, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. how, do you, how do you combat that? So when you're talking to your 13-year-old about this kind of stuff, how do you combat that mentality? If he comes back to you and says, well, literally, X, Y, Z of my friends are all doing the exact same thing. Mm-hmm. What do you say? You know, what what do you do to combat that mentality? You obviously you can't. I, I have heard that of you know, well, oh well, so and so's mom lets him do this, or so and so's dad, you know, is okay with this, or he gets to do this. Like well, that's great. You're not them. Do you want to be just like everyone else, or do you want to be your own unique person? And doing things just because someone else is doing them is not a reason to do anything. Have your reasoning. Like if you can give me a solid. 100% reason of why this is right, this is moral, this is this is the way I want to do things because boom, 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 boom. You know, just because it's cool or just because your friends think it's cool, that's not a reason. And I, I fell a victim to that growing up. I mean, I think sure. everybody did. I mean, peer, peer pressure is legit and real. I guarantee John had a mullet at some point in the 80s. Yes? I think I was about 10 when I had a mullet. Yes! I started losing my hair when I was about 12. Oh, we want to see those. <laughs> I've got to see those pictures. But, you know, I mean, you just have to, you got to be blunt about it. And you have to have those conversations if you don't address it, especially because it's being purveyed. I mean, you know, when Finley starts growing up and starts getting into more like American history classes and things like that, I mean, talking about 1998 by the time he is in you know sixth seventh grade that was almost 30 years ago so talk about it that's gonna come up i mean especially you know and i'm, I'm not getting political you know my i'm keeping my political beliefs out of this but you look at a president who has been credibly accused who admitted on tape of sexually assaulting someone, you know, when you have someone who Whether is, it was gloating or not, the language is still out It there. doesn't right. matter, right. Exactly. I don't care if it was, bra I don't care if it was consensual, he still said it on tape 
about doing that. You know, he has, you know, you have now proof of extramarital affairs and things like that. And that's the example that's being set. And they're seeing it on the news and they're hearing about it. You have to have, you have to not be scared as a father and as a parent to have those conversations. I mean, because kids are getting sexualized younger and younger, and it's getting out there. And it, it sounds like I'm on a you know cultural high horse here, but <laughs> but but it is true. I mean, even on like Disney Channel shows and things like that. Oh yeah, they're still incorporating boyfriends and girlfriends and making innuendos and you know, and so. When Greenlee's watching that, you know, Jesse, or when she's watching, you know, whatever, I can't, Ant Farm, or, you know, whatever show it was, Girl Meets World at, you know, at 9, 10, 11 years old, sometimes you have to have those conversations. Uh, you know, even though it might make you feel uncomfortable as a parent, it's something, it's something that needs to be done. And what For I've sure. always told my children, you know, my, my daughter specifically, it's your body, it's your rules. Like, I mean, that's just the way it is. For sure. Well, and let me piggyback off that a little bit. We're, we're talking about our children broaching these subjects uh, based off the media that you're, they're getting and all that. John, I have a, I have a question for you. Uh, you obviously coming up a decade before Steve and I did. A lot of the stuff that happened like in the 90s when, for instance, like with the Anita Hill uh, and Clarence Thomas issue I that came eight. up, I was... Five? Yeah. Four? I, mean, I was um, in high school. Yeah. You were in high school. Yeah, and high your school dad for, I was in high school for Bill Clinton, so Yeah, and your dad worked politics uh in the state of Arkansas uh when Clinton was president, right? Mm -hmm. And you were kind of coming up through all that. You've seen kind of this evolution from the Anita Hill situation to what we have today. And correct me if I'm wrong, it doesn't seem like it's progressed much, right? Like a lot of the points that were brought up way back when, it seems like Oh, they're all being brought back up again. Opportunistic. Why did they wait so long? Yeah. Like, and yeah. without a lot of progress, which is kind of ironic since you've got guys like Grassley in charge now, when back then it was Joe Biden. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, mm -hmm. what from your perspective now, we're talking about someone who, who, again, has the extra experience to see all this. Where do you see it going? And, and how do you use that when... Your son invariably says, you know, Dad, you worked in politics, you know people like this and all that. How do you how do you combat those kinds of questions when they invariably come later in life? Well, from what I remember about the Anita Hill uh, situation back in early 90s on the Clarence Thomas nomination was, you know, she is very similar to the current situation that's going on with Kavanaugh's accuser. It's reluctantly came forward. Yeah. The difference and, was there wasn't as much of a time gap right, between right. there. I yeah. mean, that, there that wasn't as much. Yeah, you, it wasn't uh, it like wasn't a high school years. thing. It was yeah. a professional setting where this all occurred with Anita Hill's situation, but this was more, you know, in teenage years for Kavanaugh when this happened for both of them. But um, from what I remember about it, uh, because it, there was... I think a lot of the same things that happened as a result of the Anita Hill, Clarence Thomas hearings back in the early 90s are going to happen again. There are some similarities, obviously, now between the two as far as the uh, nature of the accusations. But in 1992, uh, there was um, some serious um, um, political blowback 
from the um, from women, and there was a more women ran for office in 1992, and a lot of them got elected to Congress. And uh, Patty Murray, the senator from Washington, got mm-hmm. elected, I think, to Congress in '92. Uh, and and she, Pelosi wasn't was around that time too. Yeah, wasn't and yeah. there was there was and they and I think they called '92 the year of the woman as they far did. as the election. So, John Oliver did a whole piece about that yeah, two weeks right. ago. Yeah, yeah. yeah. and right. so. Um, I think you've got a you've got a lot of that going on right now. Even before this Kavanaugh stuff came up in the last week or so, you you got the whole Me Too movement. Locally, we've got more women running for elected office uh, on the state legislature than we've had in years. Uh, I think that's going to continue. And and this, I think both sides need to be very careful uh, how they handle this situation. I mean, it's um, the Republicans don't need to appear like they're dismissing. Um, this accuser, because that's the what happened to them in with the Anita Hill situation, right? And they don't need to do that again because the, um, you know, the, we're we're two months away from an election, so we're in that window on elections where things start happening. That's when the September and October surprises start coming from both parties, um, and that's when. And this is the period when people are really paying attention to, you know, the little issues and the big issues around campaigns or they make, you know, little issues, big issues or they make, you know, it's. Well, and I guess that's where my question, though, would stem from what you just you just said is what I think defines the Kavanaugh thing right now, which perturbs me a little bit, which is that we are two months away from an election. If we weren't two months away from an election. Do you think Congress would have reacted differently, specifically the Republican Party? That's a rhetorical question. We can't really answer that, obviously, because none of us are currently no, senators I'm, on that committee. Having worked in this <clears throat> field for a while, if if it was in an off year, I think the the handling of it would have been a lot different. I, I don't think you would. Have I don't had think a rush. you would have a hearing on Monday. Yeah, I, I don't think you would yeah. have had a rush to get uh, get both of them under oath. Yeah, that, you would have. I think you would have had. You know, from the Republican side, to, well, let's just go ahead and vote this thing. That's that that was thirty-seven years ago. When that, that, that and is... we're not, but now since we're in that that uh, window of you know hypersensitivity mm-hmm. uh, approaching an election, that's why they have to handle it. Uh, and then on the other side, on the Democrats, you you cannot go too far and and risk you know. Looking like you're you're trying to take advantage of this situation, yeah. and right. so because that's they do not need to do that, and that's what and that's so. what Feinstein is getting hit with right now yeah. uh, is that. But you mentioned the 35, 37 years ago. That is my single favorite worst defense of this oh, whole yeah. thing that's mm-hmm. out there. I saw where it was said that Chuck Grassley said, "I would hate for somebody to ask what I did thirty five years ago." What did you do 35 years ago, Chuck? 35 years ago. (laughs) Not just that. Yeah, the follow-up question from a good reporter is, well, why don't you tell us what what you did did 35 years ago? But No, no, no. Ignore ignore the follow-up question of what would you do. Focus on the fact that 35 years ago, Chuck Grassley was 50 years old. (laughs) If he's trying to excuse behavior as a 50-year-old, like, really? Like, that that just doesn't make sense to me. But yes, the the obvious follow-up of, well... What did you do? <laughs> I saw my, my one of my favorite memes that's come out of this whole thing was someone on Twitter actually posted the comment of, wouldn't it be great if 
we actually had 17-year-olds scared to think that if I sexually assault someone, this could come back and this haunt me 40 years from now. This might actually impact me. Yeah, I saw that today, exactly. too. And, the, and that, that's what I, I mean, we talked about this a little bit last week, talking about you know foster care and, and adoption and things like that. I made it a point. And this was something that was talked about in training, but th- and this was you know become a foster parent well before the Me Too movement and, and all of that. Um, I made it the point that with my foster daughters, I was never alone in a bedroom with them. Not because I was scared of what I might do, obviously not. I was scared or scared that there would be an accusation or whatever. But I wanted to be able to say that. With a hundred percent certainty, I was never alone in a room with anyone because you just you don't know some of the some of the foster kids. That is a, a genuine fear of you know coming out and you know making a, a accusation because you made them angry or you know things like that. Like you don't you never know, and so that was a way to protect myself uh, of doing that. And that's something that I have just made sure to to follow through with. And, and you know it was a. It, Call it selfish, call it self-preservation, whatever it was, but it was something that that I felt was the right thing to do for me to remove any appearance of impropriety before it could even become an issue. And thankfully, that's never happened. There's, you know, there's right. that was never never something. But you know, that was always that was always something in the back of my mind, bringing in a new foster daughter, specifically teenage foster daughters. And I think that's where, again, your presence. And your ability to just exhibit that benefits your sons greatly. Oh, absolutely. And I think that's where, again, the example thing is perfect. John, I think you've got uh, a wonderful setup, too. I wanted to comment on this in that you have some of the best professional relationships. You know, we talked about the women that are running for office right now, but there's also a lot of women that are lobbyists for the state, that work for the state, and do different programs and whatnot that you have some outstanding professional relationships with Emma being a prime example of that. Heaven forbid you teach your son how you can actually have a professional relationship with someone and they can be of the opposite gender and it doesn't have to mean anything. And I think that's, that's the main difference that you don't see in a lot of these instances that are coming forward of people that abuse their power or abuse their position to get things done or to to make nefarious things happen. I think, again, I don't know if it's the power trip. I think with Weinstein, it was a power trip. Uh, oh, I think absolutely. With, with a lot of these guys, it was power trips. But I, I don't know exactly how you would combat that outside of giving an example. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And I think that's something that's kind of slowly, it's a generational thing. Yeah. My parents, they're older. They're like, grew up and my dad grew up during the depression and you know women were not as prevalent in the workforce until after you know world war ii and so and you know they were primarily in roles that were not you know management or executives back then the, the secretary pool yeah, yeah they were just secretaries just watch mad men like, you'll yeah. get it yeah <laughs> mad the, yeah the mad men era is a good era is a good example but as the generations have, you know, marched on and time has, has gone on, that women are assuming more executive roles and managerial roles. So it used to be, you know, kind of a, you know, thing that guys, were, oh, you're, you work for a woman. And then now, you know, it's not a, 
in my generation, it, it, it's not as big of a deal that, you know, I, a lot of the times, um, most of my bosses have been women over the years in my professional career. Mm. So, and it, and it wasn't a big deal for me. And so, and I don't think it's going to be a big deal. I don't think it's going to be in any kind of, I don't think Miles is when he gets to professional age is going to think twice about it. If well, he's I, I working think you're really seeing so, that. I think that's slowly phasing out yeah, that, that kind of attitude. And that I, kinda... I, Nick, would you agree? Like in our generation uh, as millennials, I think that that is something that is becoming really a moot point. Like, I mean, I, I really don't see, I, I would have no problem reporting to a female, you know, if she, sure. she was my man, as long as they are qualified, like as long as, if they're a good boss, if they are qualified for the position, I don't care who it is. Like, mm-hmm. it doesn't matter. Like, yeah. if you're if you're qualified for the position, like, if I was going for a position, and this is this happened to me in my previous career before before joining the chamber, you know, I was passed over on a promotion uh, for a female. Mm-hmm. She was more qualified than me. Great. <laughs> like, okay, cool. You you're hired, working for a progressive you, company. You mean you hired the best person <laughs> for the job? Okay. Like, yeah. awesome. Yeah. <laughs> and, well, and I think that goes to uh, another level of this conversation as well which is i guess the recognizing that the world is adapting yes most of the world is adapting i think you'll also see that a lot of the people that have these issues of uh, or that give the excuses of boys will be boys and kind of push that out on uh, a sexist type mindset are stuck in the past Mm -hmm. And a lot of that, I, I, and this is just anecdotally speaking, but I know the people that I grew up around that gave and still give that excuse. I see on Facebook, right. you know, groups that comment on things like this. A lot of them are people that were still in that very patriarchal society or patriarchal wing of things, you know. And and there's, it, I'm not knocking that as a as a uh, lifestyle, you know, specifically like you know, if you are able to have. The stay-at-home mom today with the dad that's able to provide for the full family, the mom is able to do you know whatever she wants to do at home, that's fantastic. And I'm not knocking that at all, as long as you recognize that that's not going to work for everybody and that yeah. we do have to adapt as a society anymore. It's not America in the 1950s. We cannot, it, it, you can't subsist on one salary in 80% of cases across the United States right now. It's right. not just a matter of being able to, you know, pay the bills well, and what, cut what, back on What was that study? The federal minimum wage cannot afford, 40, working 40 hours a week on the federal minimum wage cannot afford a two-bedroom two two apartment bedroom. in all 50 states, if you look at the average rent right. of a two-bedroom apartment. It's I mean, impossible. it's just, it's not possible. And Lord, Lord help you if you got kids or health issues yeah. or, you know, any of the above or with our generation having to t- and your generation having to take care of aging parents, you know, mm-hmm. who aren't going to be able to, p- to provide for themselves. With My the- parents are going to live forever. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what I mean? Like, it's just one of those deals where you we have to recognize what's going on and, and it's it's changing. It's adapting. And. With that being said, I think the other thing that all three of us can agree to as well, uh, when I was growing up, it wasn't as loose as we are today, uh, but specifically the gender roles. 
I think a lot of where this boys will be boys mentality comes from. Also, I was not sure where you were going with that when you were talking about loose man. I'm going to be 100% honest. <laughs> where I was going with that was specifically... I'm glad it took the right turn and not that left one that my brain went to. <laughs> I don't want to live in your brain. No, I so, <laughs> where I was going with that was, for, in, uh, for instance, Growing up, I, and my dad will agree to this if he does wind up listening to this, my dad was definitely one of those where if I started crying, dad was like, just suck it up. Yeah. Suck it up. You're fine. Walk it off. You don't cry. Don't do that. You know, and 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 I get that. That was a generational thing. Yeah. I, I met my grandfather. I know where my dad got that from. And, you know, I get that. With my kid, it's it's... And it's not that I'm trying to not be like my dad in this instance. It's that I recognize the benefits of emotional stability in a child who is a boy. You know what I mean? Like being able to express themselves in ways other than just roughhousing, walking it off, and, you know, doing boy things. Riding bikes. And so, so you're saying if I didn't take all of my negative emotions and stuff them deep down inside, I wouldn't need to be going to counseling right now? <laughs> I'm not commenting on anyone else's <laughs> childhood at this table right now, but you know, John, you were part of the Gen X group. You said your dad grew up in the depression and I haven't met your dad. I've met your mom. I haven't met your dad yet, but uh, from stories that you've told me, at least it sounded like, at least with you, it was probably similar to my upbringing where it was kind of a very classical parenting, you, you know, know, and you had sisters, right? So yeah. So yeah. you had probably the, the very good, okay, the boys are going to be doing this stuff, the girls are going to be doing this stuff, and that's that. Like, yeah. we, are, we are kaput. I feel like right now, at least, especially with where we live in northwest Arkansas and, and things like that, there's a lot less of a push for that amongst most of the families I've run into. Now, there's still plenty of traditional gender roles that are pushed in, like, the high school level. My wife tells me all sorts of stuff that, you know, mm -hmm. in terms of what is allowed and not allowed in high school hierarchy and society. But at least with the, the kids that are in like Oliver's groups and stuff like that at school, I see a lot well, less of the, how did you put it? The bottling of emotions and all just, that. Just stuff them down in there. <laughs> Stuffing is the psychological term they use. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it is actually. I, I didn't know that. Yeah. <laughs> Why do you know that? <laughs> I got issues too. John, 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 and I, we can we can chat. We're, we're good. We'll chat off. Therapist? Why haven't I gotten this person's business card? What's going on? So, well, you know, and what are your thoughts on that? I mean, do you approach that uh, with your kids the same way? I mean, with uh, with Oliver, for instance, last night, prime example. Again, I know it was a spike cuddle that he yes. was giving me and all that, but it is. I, I know guys that would be very hesitant to have that kind of you know late night kid is scared for whatever or or not scared or just wanting that affection well just come come get in bed take a nap you know yeah. do whatever you need i know guys that would be probably hesitant about doing that something like that because that's not you don't do that you know like right yeah men are the guys who play catch with their sons they're not the ones who you know curl up and take a nap with them and well, i i think it all goes back to the to the respect and being the example I mean, if you show your son, if you show your daughter in how you treat their mother and how you treat, you know, females, coworkers, what, whatever, you know, mom, your moms, your sisters, you know, wh however that is, kids are going to feed off of that and they're going to see that example. And I think that's it. And if you are someone who 
you know, like I, I don't want anyone to think that I felt that I had a bad upbringing or anything. Like my dad is great. Like same, he, he yeah, and I, with, he and I talk all that, the time. Like we should all clarify. Yeah. That's, <laughs> this is part of the reason we wanted to do this podcast. Was again, we all had parents that were still very active in our lives. I, and, I, I am the way that I am. The all the good things that I am are because of the examples that my parents set. I mean, that is a hundred percent real. Um, but. You know, when it comes to showing affection towards Finley or hugging him or kissing him or, you know, he gets scared and has a nightmare. Just, yeah, come on in bed. Like, I don't think twice about it. I really don't. Because for him, it's those are the moments that he's going to remember of my father was there to protect me. He was there to shield me when I needed it. And so I'm going to, you know, my dad was the same way. Like he was there, he protected me. He, he, he was a rock that I could count on. And so I try my best to live up to that example and be that for my kids. For sure. Well, and John, Mr. I went into essentially the exact same line of work that my father worked in for God knows how many years. The exact same you, line of work. <laughs> you didn't follow in your dad's footsteps at all. Didn't, no, you're not doing anything. I think you could line our resumes up next to each other. <laughs> other than law school and a legal career, I think they match up pretty close. I can, yeah. Well, and, and I think, too, the other distinction I wanted to make with all of this, too. Um, speaking of my father, the uh, uh, couple weekends ago, I, I think... Let me preface this by saying part of what I'm, I'm about to say, too, is is we haven't really progressed very far from the Anita Hill stuff, in my opinion. I don't think we have either. I mean, that, go, Since, go watch last week tonight from yeah, a yeah. few weeks ago. I mean, the whole year of the woman piece that he did was fascinating on oh, that. Oh, yeah. yeah. Because and it's like, they declared 2018 the year of the woman. Because well, they did that in the 1990s. It and parallels they did it again so in the 70s. eerily, doesn't and it? It's creepy. It's, it's, every, just, it's every, like, almost every 25 years exactly. And it's crazy how that works, specifically because so many people, I think, actually do wake up and realize or progress in ways that they know uh can benefit and i think what i'm trying to get at is is like with the kavanaugh thing or with mark cuban or with any of these people i think the thing i'm so tired of seeing is the settlement where nobody takes blame or yes no one acknowledges that it happened now, with, with cuban let's clarify that was not an accusation against him it was a it hostile was the work environment yeah. of the dallas mavericks organization um of which he is the president and ceo right so, yeah. and, and but like specifically you don't ever see anyone take blame and, and i get it there's there's stockholders or shareholders you have to worry about there's company margins in a lot of these cases you know with identity and all that with the, Weinstein the Kevin obviously Spacey the, using it as an excuse to come out like oh god yeah, yeah like that whatever you know with Weinstein the Weinstein company now is being sunk and that's why he was trying to fight it but like I get that but I feel like a part of what would make this movement stick and what would make men not come off as the pricks that quite frankly most of us are in these instances is say for instance, and again, this is this is hypothetical because we don't know officially what happened. But if the Kavanaugh thing is true, if Kavanaugh would just come forward and say, you know what, you're right, I was a dumb seventeen year old. I can't apologize enough for it. I'm disgusted by it now that I think back on it and know that if a seventeen year old did that to one of my daughters, I would be beyond livid and in the next county. You can't make up for that. 
But since then, yes, I have gone on to do X, Y, Z. Look at the rest. Then look at the rest of his record. Yes, one action does not define his entire life in terms of how he is and who he is as a person. If you make but, a sincere acknowledgement of it, yes. If you if you want to be someone who talks about personal responsibility and accountability, then it starts with you. Personal starts right here, like with you. And that's what it's about. Like, you can't preach that on other people. Exactly. And then not take responsibility for your own actions. I mean, but you look at, like, and, and this is an honest question. I really don't know. But you look at the Roy, the Roy Moore stuff that happened in the Alabama Senate race. He promised lawsuits and, you know, all this stuff. Has anything come of that since? Yeah. President Trump promised yeah. to sue the 17 women that said that he sexually assaulted them and not a single lawsuit. All, the only lawsuits that are moving forward are the ones against him. He's waiting for those audits to finish. <laughs> so, I mean, I'm just, you know, like, again, I'm not, I'm not taking political sides on this, but, you know, instead of just saying, no, 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 I'm going to sue, this is lies, fake news, and then you walk away and do nothing. I think it's very telling right now that the, I, I cannot remember, Ford, is that her name? Uh, yeah. um, Professor Ford, or Dr. Ford, um, has said she wants to speak to the FBI. Where Judge Kavanaugh and the classmate uh, that was alleged to be in the room at the same time, neither written books about written being blackout drunk throughout his high school seven, career, you know, teens, twenties, yeah. and thirties. But both of them have said they do not want to speak to the FBI. I'm not saying they're lying, but it is a crime to speak to lie to the FBI. Why is the accuser the only one willing to go? under oath and, right. and speak. And uh, Kevin also said he would do the hearing, which is fine. But, you know, like, again, someone's going to be lying in that scenario. <laughs> like exactly. Someone, is, someone yeah. is committing a crime if so, they both testify to what they have said to the, up to this point. Well, I think just to back up a little bit to a point that Nick was kind of making and Steve, you kind of pointed up a little bit. I mentioned earlier, you know, it, as generations move on, some of the old stereotypes and things like that have fallen by the wayside, which is a good thing. But as generations in the political realm, talking in a political realm, talking about D.C., and as generations have moved on, personal responsibility, which you're talking about, Nick, mm -hmm. has disappeared. Yes. Mm -hmm. and now it's deny, 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 tear down the other guy, and, you know, Wait, it used wait to the be new cycle resets. Now, anybody yeah. that's ever read Tip O'Neill's book, uh, All Politics is Local, is it's a great little book. I mean, it's like eighty pages, but it's got all these little bitty. What's this reading stories? Thing you're yeah, about? <laughs> I do it occasionally. Yeah, but um, there's a there's a cardinal rule in this book. You know, if you make a mistake, admit it, apologize, move on. Yes, and you don't have that anymore. Now it's like, you know, they can catch him red handed, like you mentioned Trump on tape, you know, a couple of years ago. Who admitted I, that the tapes were real that. and then a year later said yeah. the tapes were fake. Yeah. Said Why the tapes were fake and, you know, they're making all that stuff up yeah. and they're just out to get me. And, you know, it's not there anymore. Mm -hmm. And so, and, you know, our kids are watching this. These are their examples now. You know, when I was a kid, my examples were people like, you know, Dale Bumpers and folks like that, senators that, you know, spoke honestly and if they made a mistake, they said, well, or they, if they were going to do something that we did not like or agree with, that, you know, this, they would have a rational explanation as to, I'm not going to vote this way. I know you're going to be mad at me, but this is why I'm voting this way. And nine times out of 10, 
the people forgave them or they will or or, or they understood the honesty yeah they respected the yeah. honesty we, we've gone from the buck stops yeah. here to don't believe what you see don't believe your eyes and don't believe your ears mm-hmm. which was a yeah. quote i mean yeah. not those exact words but that's essentially what the quote don't believe yeah. what they're telling you yeah so as generations move on some bad things you know drop off that should but as generations move on some bad things are developing that should not and um and that's what i really fear moving forward is you know my son is going to have a totally different view of personal responsibility from their leaders yes than what i had growing up which or is, what my dad had when he was growing up yeah and which so, is why it's so important i think for guys like the three of us when we talk about bringing our kids up making sure that that pers- accountability personal accountability is not a bad thing and that they recognize that it is hard. Like it we is all the recognize hardest it is thing to so do hard to admit to do. that you messed up when dealing with your kids. Like, Hey, I overreacted. I am sorry. Yeah. Like this is why it happened. It's not an excuse. There's no excuse, but this is, this is why it happened. I messed up. I'm sorry. And I apologize. And I, I always try to be deliberate in, in the words that I use specifically with my kids. I don't try to say all. I don't. I, I try not to use the words "I'm sorry." Um, I, I say it to people like if I feel badly for you, if I f- I feel sorry that that something has happened or things like that. But if I mess up, sorry is a feeling. If I mess up, I use the words "I apologize" because that's an action, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and it, that's the hardest thing as a parent to do is to apologize to your children. But when I'm in the wrong, I do it because I want them to learn the example that. It's okay to make a mistake. It's okay to to be imperfect. You know, that's fine. To err is human. To really mess things up takes a computer, but to err is human. And that is something that I do with my kids. Intentionally, I apologize. Can you forgive me? And, And that's the actions and attitudes that I expect from them when they mess up. If they mess up and they're apologizing to me and they say, I'm sorry, don't say you're sorry. Sorry is a feeling. I know you feel sorry. What you're doing is apologizing. So tell me that you apologize. And, For and, sure. Yeah. And I think you run with that and you make sure that they know that no matter what life continues on after the apology. Right. And once the apology is given, you can take actionable steps beyond that to move beyond the emotions and, and, and make sure that everyone is happy with, or at least heading towards happy with the outcome, right? Right. If you don't take that personal responsibility, it festers. And it just, it it becomes like this political environment we find ourselves in right now where it's just so blocked off on either side. There's no way to to really rectify that. And what I was going to say, and this is probably a good place for us to kind of wrap it up, there is one thing that kind of gives me hope. Uh, And that is, you know, back to what I was mentioning with my father, you know, we have all this stuff where we can see the, a lot of folks in the older generation just are not adapting, especially at least on the political realm, but also in, in this public sphere, people who don't take personal accountability, folks who don't seem to be acknowledging uh, the issues that they truly have with respect with showing emotion i mean there's a full gamut it's not just the the big heady issues like the stuff that you know weinstein and or kavanaugh may have done it's also the the smaller stuff and one of the things that made me ecstatic here a couple of three weeks ago uh, we went to go visit my 
parents for my mother's retirement party. Mm-hmm. And again, I've mentioned on here a couple times and today uh, about how my dad was very much so the the anti-crying dad. And my my papa, my grandfather was was very much so against crying and he didn't know how to handle it. It wasn't very good. Yeah. Emotion having emotions doesn't make you weak. No. Like that that was that well, was I'm something not sure, that was I'm not even sure that's my dad's mentality on it, but my dad's mentality growing up was more of the I don't handle this part. You know, like, yeah. okay, and I'm not doing this. That's fine. We're, we're moving on. So we go and visit my, my dad and uh, the first, well, my, my parents uh, at my mom's retirement and my son immediately, Oliver, runs straight up to his grandpa and wants to play with his grandpa the entire retirement party, which was hilarious for us. And my dad gets all happy and whatnot. We stay for the whole weekend and... I've seen my dad like tear up, I think maybe twice in my life. Yeah. We joked in the family growing up. And how once certain... of those was joy when you were moving out. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> uh, the other time was when I was getting married and him, I think, thinking to himself, Not it happened. He, he found one that said yes. So, but my dad, again, he he's very stoic when it comes to a lot of that kind of stuff. And anyway, when we go to leave, it was remarkable for me. Uh, Oliver wanted my my dad, he wanted Grandpa to buckle him into his car seat. And so Dad's like, yeah, sure, let's do this. So he buckles him into his car seat, and he's doing this, that, and the other. And Dad's like having this great conversation with him. And I'm saying bye to Mom, and we're doing this, that, and the other. Get everything loaded into the car, and which even with just, you know, with two kids, you guys know loading the car is a Tetris game, so it takes me a little while. Dad stays the entire time. Kid you not. As we close the door and everything like that, my dad backs away and his eyes are welling up. And I'm just like, it's finally happened. It's there. My son broke my father. (laughs) But it was one of the most beautiful things ever. And my dad acknowledged that having grandsons, I think, just completely changed the game for him to a point where he was like, he's proud. And that's, that's, I think, what changed the game for him. Yeah. And I wish you could bottle that up and just pump it into those Con- you know the congressional rooms and all these other places where these guys are having to come clean with stuff and be like, <laughs> where, where you just want to be like, guys, look, change. It's okay. It's okay, and it's happening whether you like it or not. Mm-hmm. And you know, my dad again is one of the most. Uh, he, I look up to him in ridiculous ways, and I say ridiculous because. He was like myth- mythological growing up, you mm-hmm. know. He he did all the stuff with with softball, with work, and this, that, and the other. And so when I see the stuff that he does with my kids and how he reacts to that, and it's kind of come full circle. Yeah, that's what gives me hope that you know, obviously, guys as stoic as my father can embrace emotion and embrace some of the stuff that that comes with change. Now, if we can just usher that in to to everybody else, and I don't know how you do that outside of like we're talking about, just live it and and show folks the the positive uh, again, benefits of you, it. You got to be willing to have those tough conversations with your kids. I mean that that's what it is. Just because it makes you uncomfortable, because if you're not having those conversations, they're learning it from somewhere. And if you're not willing to teach them right, then good luck. I mean, that, that's that's really what it is. I mean, you are the constant. You are the example. And as a father, whether it's boys, whether it's girls, you teach them. 
you you teach them. And uh, granted, make sure you're on the same page as your co-parent or make sure as your spouse, <laughs> you know. Don't do the, you know, what was the Burt Kreischer recent stand-up special? You know, it's like he talk, talking about dropping his daughter off at college one day and it's like, you know, his wife gives, you know, is talking to the kid or whatever. And he's like, and then it's my turn. Okay, everything mom said is fine. Here's the real stuff. <laughs> you know? I'm not going to say what he said, but... You, uh, you know, it's not like that. Make sure you're on the same page. Make sure that, that you know, have that conversation with, you, with your spouse, with your co-parent, with your significant other. Um, Even to, if you're not on that. the same page, though, depending upon the subject matter, I think seeing healthy disagreement is okay. Is yeah, okay. And that's fine. If anything, I think it's almost necessary okay, so, because that's how you yeah, get the guys that, that, who are like, no, I'm right, she's wrong, moving on. You know, yeah. like that, I think it's good for them to see there's, no, there's nothing wrong with having just because you have a different opinion does not mean you are right and I am wrong. Right. Like I mean, in yeah. some things, absolutely. <laughs> there well, are the examples there are we have today. Wrong. There's no healthy disagreement anymore. Exactly. It's, I mean, it's, it's us versus it's, them. Uh, it's, it's tribalism, right. and that that's not how society progresses. And that's not how things get done. That's why this current situation we're talking about. Um, and, you know, just like the Anita Hill situation where they said it was the year of the woman in 1992, I think the difference is going to be between this situation and what happened in 1992. It's going to be several years of women. Yes. Uh, they're going to be very looking at this very closely. And I think it's going to have a greater impact than, you know, Anita Hill's yeah. situation had an impact, but it did. it's going to have a greater it a impact. Lot of, a lot of things, especially in the corporate world with, you know, new HR policies mm -hmm. and things like that. I mean, we're doing a training here at the chamber in a few weeks talking about harassment in the workplace. How do you, how do you manage HR in the era of Me Too is one of the topics that they're talking about. Yeah. And so I think this is something that uh, is going to be, highly watched and highly dissected by both you know male and female side of and males will interpret it totally different than than women will um you know it, but it it's a different day and age than it was in 1992 yeah. for sure and Absolutely. so it's going to be something that it's a seismic event it's kind of one of those things that we will know in, in the coming weeks how seismic it possibly can be right so I mean, and, and now we just hope that you know the the year of the, the year of the women unlike what happened in 1992 where we spent the next 25 years bashing hillary clinton doesn't turn into the next 25 <laughs> years bashing kamala harris or uh uh Ascadia, what's her name cortez i can't i can never ocasio cortez, ocasio -Cortez yes yeah. For sure. Well, that being said, I think that's a good way for us to, to kind of sign off is by saying don't let the next 25 years be the last 25 years. And all the dads out there that are raising kids right now, just be present and be present in every aspect. Have the tough conversations. Have the tough conversations. Showcase what those conversations look like with other people, people of the opposite gender, with your, your spouses, with your parents. Show what that, that respect looks like right? and move on from that. So that being said, here's to another good episode of True Dadhood. Thank you, gentlemen, for joining me this week on what turned out to be a very good topical it discussion, did, I yeah, think. Did, did not see it go in this direction. It was great. <laughs> no, I thought it was great. And my boycott of Freddy Fazbear still continues. <laughs>
and 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 lo- lost forty brewing. Give us free stuff. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The hunter was good. I've, yeah, I've down two. Really was, These are yeah. really good. I enjoy this. It's really good. It's it's strong. It gives you everything that it pairs well with: gumbo, turkey Rubens, and bratwurst. I like that. This and something about raking leaves and later hosen. <laughs> <laughs> it's Oktoberfest. So uh, no, I get it. I get it. It makes sense. So here's to another good week, gentlemen, and uh, to all of you listening, thank you very much. Make sure to uh, like, subscribe, share, get the word out, and uh, to all... TrueDadhood.com. That's right, TrueDadhood.com, and to all of you listening... Bio, we can get all of our stuff up there. I'll get you something. I'm going to pound sign shame you into getting that thing up there. Take care, everybody listening, and here's to another good week. Thank you. Thank you.